Hello everyone, welcome back to the podcast. This is episode three of our new run, Vocation Cancun specialist episodes um, featuring speakers and panelists and amazing people who are going to be at Vocation Cancun in February. Uh, That's February 9 to 12, 2023 in Moon Palace, which is a beautiful all-inclusive resort. Corinne went there a month or so ago and she took some amazing photos and videos and shared it with us all in the Vocation group. And it is an incredible venue for this conference all inclusive everything is included when you get there so all the food room service mini bar all the restaurants all the drinks at the bar all the facilities and amazing things that you can get up to on the resort it's also got a spa and a golf course and (laughs) it's just an amazing place so we have got some of the best people in our industry to spend three, four, however long you want to be there, days with, in a tropical paradise in the Caribbean. I mean, what can be better than that? So we are going through a lot of the speakers who are going to be with us in February uh, over the course of the next bunch of episodes. So stick around for that. Today, we have someone I was so unbelievably excited agreed to join us uh, for the conference. It's Tina Marasco. Now, If you don't necessarily know Tina already, and you possibly do, but if you don't, this is a fast-track introduction to who she is this episode, and uh, be prepared to strap in, because she has been everywhere and done everything in this industry at a top level, and if you aspire to work at the highest level in this industry, you want to listen to what Tina has to say, because she knows what she's talking about. We go into the casting process because primarily these days, she's still a talent. She does demos and she coaches. Um, I should add, it's very, very difficult to get classes with Tina because she's so busy. So again, Vocation Cancun in February is a very good way to get in there. (laughs) Um, But her main job right now is casting at Sound & Fury. Now, Sound & Fury are one of the most prolific casting agencies on the planet right now, casting for the world's biggest companies on the most amazing campaigns. And they operate at such a high level that you probably have auditioned for them in one way or another at some point, or you will do if you're getting into this industry. Now, in this episode, Tina goes through from start to finish their entire process, how they work. She also details what they're listening for, what they love, what they don't like. She even gives examples of different reads. And it's amazing how she does it. It's, it's mind-blowing. I'm going to stop waffling and you're going to get straight into it shortly. But this is definitely something to really pay close attention to. Take notes, listen to it twice. This is a re- one of the most valuable episodes I think I've ever put out. I'm still processing the information and I can't wait to hang out with Tina and really get to know her. The funny thing is... In February, when we all go there, she will probably know a bunch of you already through your submissions (laughs) and listening to thousands of auditions every day, which is kind of a weird thing, right? That you know this person as this sort of influential person, but she knows you too. So it's a really great opportunity to actually meet these people who we never have direct contact with in the real world (laughs) in Cancun in February. So, oh, the other thing I should add is that she's never done a conference before. This is the first conference she's ever attended. (laughs) So um, that's another astounding thing. Anyway, I'm super excited to present this episode to you. Unfortunately, Karen couldn't make it. She was busy when we recorded this, but uh, I really hope you get a lot out of it. Unfortunately, you're just stuck with me. 
Waffling has come to an end. Let's get straight into Tina. We're not on the beach with this one. I wasn't going to faff around with a gimmick, so <laughs> this is just straight up info fired straight into your face or your ears. Anyway, here it is. Okay, so let's just, we've been chatting away for a while, so we might as well just like officially start the podcast. So thank you for joining us today. Um, we're thrilled that you uh, you were here and it got, you're coming in February too. I, I thank you so much for having me and thank you from the bottom of my heart for inviting me to Cancun in February. I We are chatting about, I can't imagine a better place to be. <laughs> like yes. <laughs> having just recently re-transplanted to the East Coast, I'm sure getting away to Cancun in February is going to be much needed for me. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I mean, we, we were just talking about, you know, the, the joys of uh, the, the Northeast in February. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> and, uh, you know, sometimes we need a little break from the, you know, the weather. Um, so we want to use this time today to get to know you a little bit and um, find out a bit about you and the kind of work that you do. Now, you're sort of prolific in a whole bunch of areas in in voiceover. You know, you're a talent, you're a coach, you do demo production, and primarily you're in casting. So, and I started as an agent, actually. Oh, you did? Oh, wow! Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so Literally, I think I have kept every chair warm that exists in the voiceover <laughs> world. I mean, yeah. I um, if we go all the way back to the beginning, I started. Uh, as an agent way back in the 90s in New York, I was at um, what's now known as WME, but then it was just called William Morris. Um, and I landed a long story of how I got there, but I landed in the commercial department. And at that time there, commercials wasn't separated by like voiceover and on camera, like all of the agents did everything. So I, I sort of got an opportunity to work in on camera commercials, voiceovers and soap operas was all lumped into that same um, yeah, that same department. Random. So it was it was like a uh, now looking back, it was like a virtual who's who of up and coming like John Stewart. We were sending out on like Colgate commercials and like Gilbert Gottfried would be like tugging on me going like, take me to the wee wee room. Um, and, you know, like it was just it was just crazy. They'd be like, oh, Alec Baldwin's here. Can you go throw him on, uh, you know, go throw him down on tape for this voiceover thing? And I was like, all right. <laughs> Like I'm 22, like, oh, what the heck do I know? You know, so it was just like, uh, just throw you in the fire and just, you know, you kind of have to like figure it out on the spot. So um, lots and lots and lots of like on the job training there. And then I did three years there and, and then ICM sort of came knocking uh, because they wanted to start a scale voiceover department in New York. So in LA, they, there's a bustling scale and celebrity voiceover department for voiceover. Um, but in New York, they only represented celebrities for VO. And they wanted to start a scale department. And my boss, who became my boss, Stephen Arcieri, he had just gone over to ICM from CESD. And he went there because he only wanted to work with celebrities. So he was desperately trying to find somebody to start this department. And convinced me to do that. And when we got, when I got there, we had literally one client. It was arguably the greatest client of all time. It was Peter Thomas Sr. So I don't know if you know who he is, but if you look him up, he was like the voice of every single like 
nature documentary discovery he, he talk about prolific like this man like his voice of our career was like he was the voice of everything of our childhood so he was our one scale client and we built an entire department uh under the the sort of agreement and the premise that New York did not need another scale voiceover department. So we weren't going to try to steal clients from other agencies. We decided we were going to really create something unique and different. So we went out every single night to Broadway and off-Broadway and performance art. And, you know, if I saw like somebody juggling on the street with a cool voice and I was like, hey, you want to learn how to do voiceover? And <laughs> would bring all of these different performers from all these different walks of life into our studio, which was like so plush and fancy. And I just like took it for granted because I came from William Morris and I was like, oh, this is all I knew. Right. And now it's like, <laughs> I didn't know what I had. Um, and we would teach them how to do voiceover. So we got people like Leah Schreiber right out of his Yale showcase. We had Jeffrey Wright from Angels of America. Like we would go to the wow. show, we would talk to them afterward and they'd be like, okay, cool. And then we'd come in and like teach them how to do it. So our very first departmental like demo because you know like now now it's like and if you're signed with an agency you give them your demo they put it all on a website but the internet did not exist back then so we all had like agency reels you know what i mean so it would be like all of our clients on a cd and then you'd send it out to buyers and stuff that entire first agency demo was all fake spots that we that i and my boss produced so we would like bring in like Leah Schreiber, I'd be like, okay, read these five pieces of copy. And then I would send it off to like an engineer and I would be like, okay, this is the music for this, 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 and this. They would mix it and we'd make them like a demo and then times 60, like, you know, of how many, however many clients we had. So that is really where I cut my teeth. That's really how I learned how to direct talent, how to like produce demos, how to mix things. Like I, I mean, I just learned everything under the sun when I was an agent at ICM and, um, and the department just took off like wildfire. It went crazy because we had all these like incredible actors and just people that were from all different walks of the performance life, mm. bringing what they did and adapting it to voiceover. And it, and it just kind of like, just ignited this like, trend in the industry where like all of a sudden it wasn't just the tried and true, you know, commercial sounding voiceovers. It was like, oh, wow, this sounds really authentic. And like this person is really dropped in and speaking from a place of experience and truth. And it just kind of like took off like that. So I did that for another three years and then sort of got struck by lightning one day and decided I still wanted to be an actor, which I have no idea why I had the hubris to think that that was something I could do. Uh, and I knew that if I was going to do that, because I was so deeply ingrained in the like agent world in New York, that nobody would take me seriously if I was just sort of like, and now I'm an actor. So I was like, if I do this, I'm going to have to tuck myself away for three years and get a master's degree and and get voice and speech and acting and movement and all and performance experience and all the training somewhere like tucked away. So I decided I was going to just suicide it and apply to one program. And if I got in, I would go. And if not, I would just continue my journey. And um, sure enough, I got in. And so I went to uh, graduate school for acting and trained under William Esper, Bill Esper. He was a very oh. 
profound Meisner acting teacher, and he was yeah. the master's program at Rutgers in New Jersey. And so um, I did that for three years and I got all kinds of, you know, serious, intense training. And when I graduated, I decided like, okay, I think I got to go to Los Angeles because everybody here, nobody, like everybody knows me from a different time of my life. I just didn't know how seriously I would be taken. So I moved out to LA and started working pretty, pretty quickly on camera and stuff. And voiceover was just like the natural next step because I had all of that knowledge from yeah. not only representing actors, but directing them and coaching them. And then I got all of my own voice and speech training and I put those two things together and it was sort of like an instant, you know, kind of connection happening with voiceover for me. So, um, so I went out to LA and I started my voiceover career and my on-camera career. And I, that kind of went on for about 20 some odd years. It's still going, you know, but then about, and all through that, I always coached actors, produced demos. That was always like sort of my side hustle. And um, about five years ago, Carly Silver, who is now like my Siamese twin work buddy, uh, she was my agent at Atlas for a long time. And she left to go join Jill, who owns Sound and Fury. And I knew she was pregnant and they were going to probably need some help during her maternity leave. And I thought, oh, this could be fun. I could just do this for, you know, a few months while she's out and, you know, see how it goes. And it just like, it was sort of like this natural match of like all of the things that I have done all kind of like weaving together and dovetailing perfectly into like this particular skill set of a job. And, um, and it just became like, and as you know, Sound of Fury has just gotten busier and busier and busier and busier and busier and busier. And busier. Um, so it just took off and to the point where we were busy enough by the time she came back that, you know, it turned into more of a permanent thing. And it's been five years on the casting side of things. And that really is the the role that has shifted my perspective the most significantly. Um, you know, I always thought I could coach a good read out of talent but it wasn't until I got the perspective from the casting side that I really even understood like, okay, what a good read it is because it has shifted yeah. and changed so dramatically, even in the five years that I've been doing it. So, um, you know, like having the understanding of what these creative directors are specifically requesting and asking for, and then, you know, hearing all of the different versions of that, that all the different actors are providing and then sort of like interpreting it going like, okay, so this is what they said they wanted. These are all various interpretations of it. Like, what do I think are the 60 best, you know, handpicked options that are going to give them enough of a variety and enough of a range within those specs that they asked for, um, but really stay true to the core of what they're looking for, which at the end of the day really is truth and authenticity. And connection. Yeah, I mean, it's it sounds so fortuitous, but um, and it almost sounds planned, but I know that it wasn't. That all those different things lined up, you know. Oh my gosh, it's so like I can't even begin to tell you how not planned it was. Like I graduated <laughs> from college, I literally had a spiral perm. It was Jersey. I had a spiral perm down on my. <laughs> 
like a scrunchie in my hair and I was chewing gum. And I remember talking to my friend, Leanne, who worked at William Morris. She's a, she graduated a year ahead of me from Rutgers. And she's like, so this is from undergrad. She was like, so what are you going to do? And I was like, I don't know. I literally didn't even have a resume. She's like, why don't you get a job here? Like you always wanted to act. Like, why don't you get a job here? You'll learn all about the business. You could take acting classes at night. And you know, when you're ready to make the switch, you could do that. And I was like, all right. And then I went in, did the interviews. Like, and they were like, okay, like here, you go. like, I didn't even know what an agent was. I was probably like the most unprepared, naive person who ever showed up for an interview. And somehow magically, I was like, sure, you got the job. And I was like, okay. <laughs> I'm fascinated by this transition that you went through from William Morris to starting up at ICM. And and that focus that you guys had that was a shift away from the traditional voiceover model into let's just try this guy out. Let's try this person yeah. out, you know, because that's more, more like, that's a very modern way yeah. to work voiceover and to look for talent. Right. So, I mean, this was way, way, a long way, time ago. So way, way. I mean, we did have, we represented a lot of like, you know, the very traditional announcer guys too. I mean, we did that additionally, but those sort of came later once the department sort of made a name for itself, then people were asking us, they wanted to come over, you know, we just didn't want to steal them from other agencies. So, um, so there was still a lot of pretty traditional sounding, um, you know, announcers mm. being sought after at the time, but we did introduce, you know, like, like, like consummate actors. Like, you know, we had, I mean, just like, just the, I mean, you name it, we had them. Like, it was just um, like incredible. And, and they would always, all of these really, really excellent actors would always come into my office, like after they would go to an audition or after they would come back from a job and they'd be like, I don't know. I don't think I was very good. And it's like, because, because like, you know, they didn't know like the technique, but they were just acting. They were just intuitively acting and, and, you know, really telling the story from their yeah. point of view and their perspective, which is exactly what is being asked for now. It was just a little ahead of its time. You're right. But people wanted it and they, and they did, you know, sort of eat it up. Yeah, absolutely. Actually in a similar fashion with sound and fury, I feel like sound and fury was ahead of their time, yeah. particularly early on. I mean, did they ever do in-person casting or was it Oh, Not remote, right? really. Jill was really a visionary. This is like a hundred percent Jill. She, she just saw, she tends to see things really, really from a very zoomed out point of view and really, really big picture stuff. And I think she just saw this early on, like as people just started getting home studios, as people just started realizing like, there's really no need for me to drive all over the city to, you know, do these things when I have a mic right here, I can send it in. So yeah, she really started that model from the get-go. I mean, I think, you know, in the beginning, she certainly held some in-person auditions. I even like my very first day at Sound and Fury was like, we rented a studio space and held a big in-person casting. Um, but she saw so early on how much more efficient it was this way in in absolutely every area. I mean, yeah. cost efficient, you know, it like in terms of from a talent's point of view, right? You don't have that one one or two take shot. Like you go in, you have two takes and then you you get it or you don't get it. You know what I mean? Like, you know, it's 
there's a luxury of being able to go in your booth and like let it sink in and you know give it a few tries and listen back and review maybe walk away come back see how it sounds you know there's there's such an efficiency in that in terms of uh creativity as well so um yeah yeah, she started that long, long ago. And then when, of course, when the pandemic hit, we were sort of like, welcome. <laughs> We've yeah. been waiting for you all. Like, you know, we were totally flowing and already equipped to work exactly how the pandemic required everybody to learn how to work. Yeah, absolutely. You were well set up and everyone else, every voice actor who had a home studio was mm-hmm. was therefore bumped up the line a bit to all the people yeah. that are used to being in the, you know this, these hubs. So we could go a whole number of directions based on your your career, um, <laughs> but I do want to focus a little bit more on the casting because that is the thing that you know we're yeah. we're here to talk about a little bit, and definitely what we're going to dive into in in February in Cancun. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm interested in the mechanics of how you cast a project, and after receiving hundreds of auditions, how how you whittle that down, how you run it past different people, how you you know, get to that point where you've got, I don't know how many you send to a client, five or 10 or 20, whatever it is. Could sure. you talk us through the process? Because yeah, it's be interesting. Yeah, sure. I'll, I'll take you from conception to completion. So uh, whenever we get hired on by, uh, we're hired by an ad agency producer who's working on behalf of the creative team. And so nine times out of 10, whenever we take on a new project, we do a creative call with their team and we try to extract every detail and nuance we can out of them in terms of how they're hearing the voice. Is it, is it driving the spot or is it just supporting the visuals? If, you know, if they say they want comedians, it's like, okay, what kind of humor specifically? If they say Tina Poehler, I mean, Tina Fey and Amy Poehler, right? They're really, even though they work together all the time, really different styles. Like, Tina Fey is very dry and sort of flat and kind of keeps it close to the best. But Amy Poehler's got that sort of like can-do attitude with like a zing of sarcasm underneath it. You know, they're really different. So like we try to get whittled down to the nitty gritty and sometimes they're wide open and they're like, we just want everybody's unique brand of comedy that they can bring to it, you know. But we try to get as many specifics as we can. And then we immediately get off those calls and we craft the, the specs that you all see on the scripts. And the reason our specs are so detailed is because, because we ask all those questions and because we know we can't be in the booth with you. So we're giving you the roadmap. We're saying like, listen, here is everything that we know. We asked all the questions to the horse's mouth, exactly the, to the writer, to the creatives, what, how they want to hear this. And this is every clue that we have to get you there. So when anybody says, screw the specs, just do you, that'll never fly on our castings. Because if you think about us like matchmakers, right? We are essentially matchmakers for the creative team. If they tell us they want tall, dark, and handsome, we have to proverbially, you know, we have to, we cast a wide net and we find them probably the 60 best tall, dark, and handsome options that we can find them, right? So so what we're using as our matchmaking criteria is the specs. So while everything is about authenticity, right? We don't ever want anybody putting on a character of any sort. What you're going to use the specs to determine is which version of you best matches those specs. So in everyday life, we're always 10 different versions of ourselves, right? If you have kids, you're the 
parent version of yourself. If your parents are still alive, you're the kid version of yourself in the same day, sometimes in the same hour, in the same 10 minutes. You know, you are the best friend version of yourself. You're the novice version of yourself and you're the expert version of yourself, depending on who's asking you a question or what you're, you know, what, what the circumstance is, right? So you kind of use those specs to go, ah, this is, this is sort of like the expert version of me. This is like the seasoned, confident, you know, like authoritative with gravitas version of me. So that would be like me talking to you right now because you're interviewing me about what I do day in and day out. So this is how I sound when I talk about something that I know like the back of my hand. It also happens to be how I sound if I was talking about my dogs or if I was talking about my kid or whatever. There is no like preconceived idea of like what it sounds like when I suddenly go into my professional like hat, you know, like I don't change. I just, I'm just very comfortable and I'm very confident. And I just, you know, know that there is years of knowledge and understanding underneath whatever I'm saying. So while I might pause for a second and try to think of what direction I want to take it in, there is just this underlying comfort in my own skin and, uh, self-assuredness that just naturally comes through. So when we say we want all of those characteristics, it's just the way I'm talking to you right now, right? So that's that's just one example. So so we craft the specs and we really do agonize over every word. So if you want to read the specs and blow a hole in them because, you know, actors do that. We're like, oh yeah, warm but cold, hot up but down, black and white, you know, because, you know, it's notorious, like, you know, Commercials yeah. have always been like that. Ours in particular, we really try to put great care and to not frustrate actors, right? So if it says authoritative and warm, don't think of that as contradictory ideas, right? You can be authoritative and warm as a parent very easily, right? If, yeah. if it's something that's really serious that you need to impart to your kid, but you there's obviously so much love there. But, you know, so that that's a great example. But we will agonize over like, do we say heartfelt or empathetic? Because if we say heartfelt, felt, it might get too goopy, right? We don't want those like super goopy reads. If we say empathetic, people kind of understand that in a different way. It's a little bit, it's a little bit more like, hey, yeah, I see where you're coming from. I get that. I feel you. You know, it's not like, oh, bless your soul. You know, it's, you know, so so we really do put a lot of care into the word choices that we use. So we craft the specs. And then we also try to set up our scripts like true roadmaps. So if it's line, drop down, next line, drop down, next line, that means that line lines up to picture. The next line lines up to picture. If we're allowed to include what the picture is, we will include as much information as we're allowed to share. If it's just a big paragraph, then that's your that's your clue that it's probably a, you know, a run-on thing. And if the specs are like, crazy, neurotic, almost manic or whatever. And it's just a big, long run on. That's your clue that you just kind of like, it's just stream of consciousness and you never stop talking. You just keep going till the end, right? So really look at how, what the specs are asking for, how the script is set up on the page and really read that piece of paper from top to bottom for content first. You figure out, okay, which version am I bringing to this? And what story am I telling? You know, not think, oh, how should this sound? Because if you start asking that question, you're already on the wrong foot, yeah. right? You want to think about what story am I telling? And then based on which version of me it is, and I figure out what story I'm telling, then you figure out, okay, who from my real life 
would I conceivably be having this conversation with? And then you use that to craft your pre-life reality. And then I, we always want you to treat the first line of every script as a response to that, whatever that is. So even if the line is just introducing the new Toyota Camry and there's no other context given, what everybody will do is they'll just do an A, B, and C. They'll just go, introducing the new Toyota Camry, introducing the new Toyota Camry, introducing the new Toyota Camry. They're not announcery. They're conversational. It was an A, B, and C. That's fine. But there's just no connection. There was like no thought. There was no response to anything. It was just, it was just words said conversationally, right? What we're looking for when we're casting, and I'll get back to our process in a second, but we're looking for genuine connection. So even if there's nothing given, it's your job to figure out, okay, what are three scenarios that would believably have me saying that? And it could be you and I are next door neighbors. I've been talking about getting a new car for 10 years. You're like, girl, I'll believe it when I see it. And I roll up and I'm like, read them and weep, Jamie. Introducing the new Toyota Camry. And then the second one, I could have seen like a clown car of 10 kids getting out of the back. And I'm like, damn, that's spacious. Introducing the new Toyota Camry. And the third one, I could have heard, like seen a terrible crash. And thank God everybody came out okay because of the safety features. And I'm like, introducing the new Toyota Camry. And if you put that A, B, and C next to the other, yeah. one, the waveforms will probably be identical, but one will have connection and one will be empty. And when you listen to as many as we listen to, it is so obvious. Like you can absolutely yeah. hear the difference. And I'm not saying that sometimes simple A, B, and C doesn't win because sometimes it does, but 99% of the time, if you take that simple A, B, and C and you put just a little bit of connection to it, it just takes it to the next level. Yeah. You're finely tuned for authenticity. You can, you can spot it a mile off. Yeah. Yes. Also BS meter is like, you know what I mean? Right. Like we can sell BS a mile away. That's why like re recently we've been putting in like talking about spontaneity a lot and we're like, please, we can hear when you're just adding in artificial ums and ahs and hmms and yes, like that's not actually spontaneous. That's you pre-planning set to try to play yeah. being spontaneous. And we can hear that too, right? So um, so going back to the process. So we we create the specs, we set up the script, and then we blast it out to the agent universe. And depending on how difficult of an ask the spec is, you know, like if we're casting a particular language or an accent or, you know, something that like a, a special skill, like, you know, like spoken word or something like that, depending on how difficult it's going to be to find, um, you know, that, that particular spec, it depends on how many agents we send it to. We have relationships with agents all over the world. So, um, so we send it out to the agent universe and we tailor that list based on specifically what we're looking for. And then um, you all receive it. You do your auditions. You send it back to your representatives. They send it back to us by the due date. Everything gets loaded in our Dropbox. And then when it's time to start casting, I download them all onto my dying computer because <laughs> this job kills computers. And for any given job, and this is going to sound scary, but it's the reality, and it shouldn't be uh, it shouldn't be discouraging because the cream rises to the top every single time. 
But for any given job that we're casting, we listen to anywhere from 500 to 1,000 auditions. Wow. And on any given day, we could be casting five, six, seven, eight roles. So on a given day, I could conceivably listen to 8,000 auditions. And <laughs> not joking, and I'm not exaggerating. It's, it's intense. I mean, it's a really, really intense uh, process. So the, the only way to get through that with any semblance of sanity is we download them all. We listen to every single solitary one with no exception. If it gets submitted to us on time, we, it gets heard. But if you have multiple, if your listeners have multiple reps, just submit it once because it doesn't matter. Like it does not matter which rep it comes from. It doesn't get priority. It doesn't get lower priority. It's everything gets listened to all the same and gets given equal um, treatment. So, but by people submitting five times, then you're just multiplying my work by five, right? You know, it's like, yeah. I'm not going to suddenly, you know, like love it one minute and then hate it the next minute or whatever. Like just, just trust that if you submit it once it's being considered. So I download them all. I get a yes folder and then I get a backup folder on my desktop. And the first listen through, now this is just the first listen through. Eventually everything gets heard. But the first listen through, it's just a weeding out process for me. And I'm listening for three things. I'm listening for, are you the right age demographic? Um, and that should really be up to your agents to only be sending you the right stuff. There are a lot of agents out there that like to send 70-year-old men when we're casting a 16-year-old girl. I don't know why. <laughs> <laughs> um, but you know, so it's the basics, like, are you sort of in the ballpark of what the specs are asking for? The second is if the job requires a home studio, is your sound quality good enough to do a job from home? And then the third thing, which is like the most important thing is in that opening moment, do I believe that you're already engaged in an honest conversation? And that first line is truly a response to something. So if I even hear intro, it goes, nope intro, like I don't even have to get past int intro. Like if I hear the liftoff, you know, the classic commercial liftoff, I just go, nope, 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 nope. And when I hear introducing, yep. And then I just, so then I'm just hunting for that. I'm just hunting for a connection. Um, and so, so that, so that weeding out process, let's, let's say hypothetically I have 600 to start with. It'll probably take me two hours to get through the first listen of 600, just going, yes, no, 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 yes, no, 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 no. And then I get my yes folder. And now my yes folder is down to maybe 200 because there really were like probably 400 not viable options. And so then I start going, okay, 200, that's reasonable. I can start casting. And so now I listen all the way through and I'm listening for all of the things, right? Did you bring a unique point of view? Did you stay connected all the way through? Did you catch the turn in the script? Did you uh, handle the legal with, you know, so, some facility and ease? What, whatever it is, you know, was there a breaking of the fourth wall? And did you do something interesting with that? You know, like, uh, and then I start then pulling out my favorites. So then let's say I still have a hundred favorites. Then I listen to that hundred and I go, hmm, skewing pretty heavily, women with textured voices. So then I put all the textured voices in a folder and then I pick out my favorite, most connected reads that have textured voices. And then I go through the folder and I go, okay, now let me pepper in my favorite clean reads. Let me make sure there's enough age range reflected in here, enough diversity reflected in here. And, you know, enough variation in the types of comedy or whatever it is, right? And then I'll put up about 
to get edited. We have a whole editing team that will they EQ everybody to the same level and they will proofread the scripts front to back. So if somebody mispronounces a word, they'll put a note on there. Um, you know, if they missed an alt line or whatever. So then when the edits are done, they send them back to me with all of the notes. And then I go through those 80 and based on the notes and based on like, okay, I've had some time away from it. Now I have fresh perspective. Then I cut that 80 down to about the top 60 and the top 60 or so get sent to the client. So, and then the client gets the link, they listen through, they might come back and say, okay, we like these 10 people and we want to do callbacks. That's happening more and more often these days. Um, huh. Or they might just say like, okay, let's, uh, these are our three favorites. Let's check their, their avails, whatever it, whatever the next step is on their part. And then ultimately, you know, they'll finally get client approval on one and that gets booked. We then connect the ad agency with the talent agent on the booking thread. And then after that, it's job is complete. And then we move on to the next. So that's the process and wow. that that happens, you know, like there are days where we are doing eight in a day and it's just, it is just, we just fire on all cylinders. It's just nonstop. So the, the thing to keep in mind for anybody who's listening is like the ways you can help us with that is like really, truly like we love actors and we want to see actors succeed. So when we put things out there on breakdowns that may seem harsh or like limiting or exclusive, like we're doing it for a reason. So if we say like absolutely no Americans putting on fake British accents, it's because this, we're localizing the spot for the UK. So like, even if you're the most amazing dialectician, Somebody sitting in the UK is going to hear that and be like, oh, that's an American, right? And yeah. and then it, it puts egg on our face. So all that does is create 10 times the amount of work for us because every time we cast any accent, we not only like do the casting like that, but then we vet everybody. We literally look up every single solitary person we're going to submit and make sure they are authentic. Otherwise, it's going to come back on us if if it's not. So it just creates so much more work. And no matter how many times we say it, how nicely we say it, how big, red, bold letters we say it, people still do it. And and it's like, I hear you 10 times a day in your normal American <laughs> accent. I know you're not like, you know, like Finnish or whatever it is, you know, like, I know you're not. So stop it. Um, so those those are little things that like, if you just know you're not right, just just save it for somebody, you know, give it to you, give you the job. <laughs> yeah, please. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, exactly. um, there's so many things I could ask and I know we, we've got a limited amount of time, so I don't want to, I don't want to go down too many alleys here, but that, that was just such an incredible, just onslaught of information that we as talent, we don't really know you, you are a talent, but you have all this experience. We don't know that process from your side and yeah. just hearing the start to finish order and the not only the order but the mindset that you're in at each stage is so fascinating and on a much much smaller scale karen and i recently cast a project for a vocation ad because we thought it would be uh -huh. kind of fun to learn about that process from our side mm -hmm. um from the casting side and there was such an educational experience from us going why are people doing it <laughs> why are people yes. making this choice you right. know um so 
you're working at a certain level because so you're weeding out a certain mm-hmm. level of talent because you're only working with agency talent anyway already. So it's already at a pretty good level. But what are the things that you just, I mean, you've already highlighted it a bit, not, you know, not doing gimmicks, not doing mm-hmm. the, the yeah. size and all this kind of stuff. And it sounds like connecting with the copy is the main thing, but are there any other things that you just want to like strangle talent for doing on the regular? Yeah, just like, just, uh, we, like I said, we try to every now and then we, we miss something or we forget to write something or whatever, but for the most part, like we will spell it out for you on that script. If we say like, please give us two takes, the first one straight, the set, you know, like as scripted, the second one with improv, people just don't do that or, or, you know, they'll do five takes or whatever, or, you know, um, just, just simple, basic following the directions, mm-hmm. following their directions about labeling, because seriously, if you think about, then we have to relabel everybody. And like, it, it's just yeah. all these little tiny things that just add so much time to our day. That's why we got rid of slates, right? If you think of how many yeah. auditions we're listening to, if, people were just not following directions and not just saying their name and going into it. It would be like, it's adding like literal hours to my day, just getting through the slate so I can hear the thing. So just following the directions and, um, and really realizing you don't have to do anything gimmicky to get noticed. So here's the thing. This is like the thing that I really want actors to know. We are sort of like your voiceover stalkers. Like you don't know us personally, but we really feel like we know you. Like I hear you all like multiple times a day, certainly multiple times a week. Right. And I can, I'm rooting for you. I'm like, wow, damn, that was a good read. Or like, oh, so-and-so must've like, you know, gotten some really great training because their read really transformed. Or like, I'm tracking all of this in my brain. And so we really are paying such close attention and we are listening. And I've told this story before. So, you know, I I never like to be super repetitive, but I think this is a really great example of, because you guys are all recording in isolation and you're sending it off into the ether. And it's like, hi, I'm actually the ether. Nice to meet you. Right. (laughs) We hear it. So there was a guy whose reads we, I just adored. I loved. And he always did this sort of like very close to the vest, low key, but very thoughtful. Like it was, it was very stream of consciousness, very cerebral, very connected, but there was not no, no gas on the voice at all. It was just very like, just, you know, and I always, he was like one of my go-tos for like that specific style. And all of a sudden his auditions started coming through. And he sounded really depressed, like really, really, like really flat, really just low energy. And I was like, gosh, I'm kind of worried about, I don't know this person at all. Like personally, I'm like, I'm kind of worried about him. Like, and after like two weeks, I I reached out to the agent and I was like, Hey, I just want to check in and make sure so-and-so is okay. Because I noticed the shift or maybe he's gotten some training. That's really like sent him down this path that it's just, it's like too dead. Like it's just, we need, and he's like, I don't know. I'll ask him to come back. Agent comes back and he's like, he literally could not believe that you reached out to ask. He started a meditation practice and he was meditating first and then doing his auditions. And it just like bottomed them out. Like it was just, they were so like, so mellow, like so dropped in and so like, you know, like 
detached. Yeah. Um, like, oh, well, thank God that nobody's sick or like, you know what I mean? It was not like anything more serious, but I was like, but yeah, have him reverse that, have him audition person. And yeah. So, so that's how well we're, we know you. That's how closely we're listening. And so what you do when you go in the booth matters, like it really does. It might feel like it doesn't. Sometimes you might feel like you're just sending them off and nobody's hearing them, but we are hearing them and we're paying attention and we notice. So you don't have to sort of like, you know, juggle swords and be like, you know what I mean? Like do the voiceover equivalent of juggling swords to get noticed. It's like, no, just, just be yourself, bring yourself to it, put some love and joy in it because all of that energy gets transmitted when we receive it that way. And we can tell when people are phoning it in and we can tell when, you know, they're just kind of going through the motions and we can tell when there's genuine like passion for it. And, you know, and it is appreciated and received in that way. Well, I mean, that's such fascinating insight from you. And it's very reassuring that, you know, you you are going through that process with every single submission and it isn't just sending it into the ether and it's just getting a glance and then eh, maybe, maybe not, you know, yeah. that take that care and attention when, when we as talent put that attention yeah. in, you know, too, it's, it's nice to know that that is fulfilled all the way through the process. And that is why we never, we never stop short and don't, and stop listening before we've heard every single one, because because yeah. I'm a talent too. Carly's husband is talent. Like we know how much time it takes and how you have to carve that time out of your day with your families and stuff. And you go in there and you put that kind of care and commitment in it. It's going to be listened to and considered with that same care and commitment. Yeah. Fantastic. Okay. Well, I'm not going to take up any more time because I know how busy you are. Um, so thank you so much for joining us today. And we're so excited that you're going to be with us in Cancun in February. So yeah, just thank you thank so much. You. Thanks for having me. I'm very excited and I'm looking forward to meeting meeting everyone there. Yeah, you can see the faces of the voices that you Yes, exactly. <laughs> exactly. I know. I should just like we should just like have me laying by the pool with a blindfold on and then people yeah. and I'll be Next. like <laughs> Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Just be calling them out. It'll be like my superpower. <laughs> <laughs>